When I was wondering which Bible character to talk about today, I find myself thinking about the natural world and animals, and in particular, the donkey. That humble, patient, long-suffering pack animal, which features several times in the Bible. Just speaking the word donkey can provoke laughter. Donkeys don't really have a positive press today. But I like finding truths in unexpected ways. And so I settled on the donkey as a starting point. In the stories, donkeys are always traveling. We are also travelers in the wilderness of this world. And before looking at the Bible story that Angela read earlier, I want to look at another story about traveling with a donkey. Two years ago, I came across Andy Merrifield's book, The Wisdom of Donkeys. It's got the subtitle, Finding Tranquility in a Chaotic World. Merrifield, who describes himself as a writer, amateur urbanist, educator and magical Marxist, whatever that means, wrote the book in 2008. He'd moved to the Auvergne in France, having become completely disillusioned and eaten up by the melee of city life and university teaching. In France, he embarked on a journey of the soul, a slow pilgrimage through the Auvergne countryside, along with his sole companion, Gribouille, an intelligent and calm donkey who travelled at his own pace. Merrifield writes this. Time slows down amid donkeys. In their company, things happen quietly and methodically. It's hard to forget their innocent gaze. It's a calm that instills calm. Your mind wanders. You dream. You go elsewhere, yet somehow you remain very present. Milan Kundera says in his novel, Slowness, that speed, the demon of speed, is often associated with forgetting, with avoidance. And slowness is associated with memory and confronting. We move slowly, slowly when we want to listen to ourselves, to others, to the world around us. We move slowly when we want to confront ourselves. The rush of contemporary life overwhelms our ability to observe, to hear, to step back and wonder, and to meditate. On the journey, Merrifield slows down and learns how to be with Gribouille the donkey and how to be with himself. Sometimes the donkey stops on the path seemingly just to listen and look. Merrifield senses something is happening, though he doesn't know what, but there is a kind of presence, a standing still in the moment. It's easy to feel overwhelmed in our lives. Reading Merrifield's book reminded me of the importance of slowing down and spending time doing what can feel like nothing, standing at the kitchen window and noticing how the sunlight plays on the houses opposite, 
walking on the heath in the different seasons, standing and looking at far horizons, sitting and thinking, or just sitting, and all, usually, with my mobile phone switched to silent and out of easy reach. In those times and in those places, we are allowing ourselves to be more open to hearing God's voice or the voice of truth or our authentic inner voice, however you understand it, and making space to perceive truths about ourselves, our lives, our relationships, getting to know and understand the many and varied movements of the psyche and the soul, which underlie and give direction to all that we feel, think, say, and do. For now, I'll leave Andy Merrifield and Gribui the donkey traveling through the Averne and jump back a few centuries BC to another journey with a donkey. In the Old Testament reading, we had that rather peculiar story about Balaam and the talking donkey. Just to remind you, Balaam was an itinerant prophet who charged fees for his prophecies. Balak, the Moabite king, sent for Balaam because he wanted a curse put on the Israelites who were camping nearby after their escape from slavery in Egypt. Balaam set out on his donkey to meet the king and discuss the possibility of pronouncing a curse, even though, by this stage of the story, he knew God didn't want him to curse Israel. It's a rather fantastical narrative. But what I take from this is that it's a story about God speaking in a completely unexpected way. Balaam, who in the earlier part of the story seemed open to hearing and speaking God's words, is now blind to the appearance of the angel who blocks his path. Perhaps he's become more interested in the large fee he might get from Balak if he did what the king wanted him to do. Maybe Balaam was fantasizing about making a prophet rather than being a prophet. The donkey, however, is portrayed as sensitive to the presence of the angel that had appeared, and she did what donkeys do, which was to stop dead in her tracks and refuse to go forward because the angel blocked her path three times, and three times Balaam thrashed the poor animal. In true folktale style, the donkey is suddenly able to speak, and Balaam's eyes are open to what has happened. He sees and hears the angel and discovers that though he's disobeyed God, his life has been saved by his donkey. Balaam repents and says he'll now do what God wants him to do, even though he knows it might be dangerous for him. From both these stories, the Andy Merrifield story and the Balaam story, I love the fact that we can find wisdom and truth through all kinds of unusual things and in unexpected ways. I've learned over many years that I have to remain open to this and not to walk around looking at the world through the eyes of my assumptions and anxieties. This requires time, space and imagination. I grew up within a Christian culture where I picked up the message that only by reading the Bible would I get the truth that I'd need in life. I'm not knocking having knowledge of the Bible. 
Amongst other things, it's a really good foundation for learning about God's dealings with humankind. And people's commitment to Jesus in following his humble and sacrificial way has changed many lives for the better. But in church and in other Christian gatherings in those early days, I never heard anyone speaking about how we can encounter God or truth or mystery or the other in so many different ways, through obvious things like music, painting, poetry, but also in the neighbour we bump into in the street, the dead tree, the person we don't get on with, the suffering of a friend, our own suffering. In the middle of depression that I lived with for many years, I began to discover the healing power of slowing down, opening my eyes, stopping to look closely and imagining. Things aren't always what they seem. Four years ago, my nephew and I were walking on Hampstead Heath on a very stormy day. Just as we passed underneath a tall oak tree, we heard a really loud splitting sound and we turned around to see the tree being blown over in the strong wind just a few feet away from us, fortunately in the opposite direction from where we stood. And finally it lay horizontal with its roots splayed out and up in the air and the branches spread out over the ground. Such a mighty tree, but felled by an even stronger force. And it was sad to see the destruction. I love trees and, and the sense of permanence and otherness that emanates from them. But each time I've walked on the heath since then, I've noticed how gradually other plants and small creatures have made a home in and around this fallen giant. Out of disaster and death, came something positive and alive. A natural process created by God, which is repeated again and again in the, in the way that the world works. But it can take a long time for transformation to happen, and sometimes it never does, as far as we can see. There are mysteries in our lives that we would love an answer to, prayers that never seem to lead to anything positive that we can discern. We look and look and wait. We say God is absent, God doesn't care. We can't all go on a journey with a donkey in order to find ourselves and our healing. <clears throat> but perhaps all that's required is that we slow down and get on with keeping our eyes open for the small but miraculous signs and wonders that appear around us all the time the grass growing in the cracks in the pavement, the bus driver who smiles at us, the friend who texts to find out how we are, the life-giving oxygen that trees supply us with constantly, the calming colour green around us in the natural world, the pet dog that <coughs> offers devotion and lots of fun, the taste of food that we love, and so much more. This is the kind of balm and nourishment we need so that we can continue to live the lives given to us. As Martin Luther said, while I sit here sipping my Wittenberg beer, the kingdom runs its course.
I'll leave the last words to Andy Merrifield, reflecting on his journey with the donkey. In the end, if indeed there is an end, encountering donkeys has helped me encounter myself, helped me understand a turning point. I'm no longer the same person I was before embarking on this book, on this trip. It's given me time and space to reflect upon my life, to give up the ghost, to accept it all as a fait accompli. Now, it's today and today and today, and perhaps tomorrow. The struggle never stops, of course, finding the eternal moment, retaining it, cherishing it, is as difficult as it is rare. Amen.